know Warren never uh, loses his chance to take a pot shot when I'm not here, so I was fully expecting. I don't a, even uh, think that was a pot shot. Yeah, you know, I was fully expected some, you know, some kind of shot across the bow. But hey, you know what? I'm back here, ready to roll. And uh, what was surprising to me was the host country of France. There was French French families there with uh, uh, USA jerseys on, which I thought was pretty cool, pretty interesting. Why do you, did you talk? Why were they? Uh, I guess you did. You know why they were wearing like American jerseys? Are they, were they grateful for the help in World War II, or were they just uh, <laughs> were they just were they just cheering on the U.S. since they both have red, white, and blue? They stink so bad you can't even make it up. Now here your host of the short thing, Warren Shore and Ryan Silva. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this edition of The Short Thing right here on Talk Radio 1190. I'm your host, Warren here, as always, with Ryan Silva. Good show planned for you today. We are going to have, uh, coming up after the first break, Dalton Miller, who has been on the show previously. We had him on around draft time. He uh, hosts a podcast, and he uh, does some blogging for the Cowboys. So we're going to have him on the show. Uh, good stuff to talk about what they've done uh, up into the bye week and what to expect from them. In the second half of the season, then we're going to talk some Mavericks. The Mavericks are off to a hot start. First time they've been 2-0 since 2004, which is shocking in and of itself. So we'll get some Mavs talk, and then we'll uh, round out with some probably some college football uh, as well since there was an upset uh, yesterday that we have to discuss. But, Ryan, I know you moved into your new house this week up in the uh, sticks of Princeton. So, uh, how? Uh, first of all, how was the first commute, and how, how did that go? Uh, first commute wasn't bad. Um, I actually got here like maybe right under 30 minutes, right over 30 minutes. I was going to be closer to like 45. Um, but you're not lying about it being in the sticks. A good a good gauge I've found of kind of the culture around you or like, you know, what kind of communities around you is go to the local Walmart and you'll kind of <laughs> see, you know, probably a good, you know, pretty decent kind of uh, snapshot. And boy... When we went, we went to Walmart uh, Friday night after we were done moving because we had to pick up a few things, and it was country. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was the darkest person in there by far. Friday it, wasn't the best day to move either. Not great. It was weather. not. Well, you not know, great yeah, it was. It was not. Um, but it, we got lucky because it wasn't like raining. It was just like that annoying mist yeah. the whole time. Uh, the movers we had, shout out to them, they were cooking. Um, they got everything moved from where we were staying in Allen. They got our storage unit emptied out, and everything moved into the house in under three hours. So that That's was pretty good. It was really good, and so now it's just piecing everything together. Um, but uh, no, yeah, like I said, the first commute it wasn't terrible. I mean, I I made sure I used the restroom before I left, gassed up the the, the truck, got my oil changed. Made sure the tire pressure was all good before I... It's tire pressure season, by the way. <laughs> it's tire hunkered, pressure season. Yeah, before I hunkered down for the road trip. But it actually wasn't uh, wasn't too bad after We'll all. We'll gauge on Thursday. We'll see how it... Well, what's on Thursday? How, no, how the road, how how the commutes, uh, if you've done it for a couple of days. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, for we'll, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it is on Thursday yeah, or in a month or so. No doubt, no we'll doubt. How how's, um, the, uh, you're a, how's the fast food situation? It's or, actually not, great. Is it good? It's actually... Oh, you want to know what's even what's prime? Popeyes, a stone's throw there away. That there chicken sandwich has come back in a couple weeks, and I, I can they should, see it. They said they were supposed to come back in October, but I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know either. There. But uh, so there's a Panda Express, and Jamie loves Panda okay, Express. 
I left the house, got Panda Express, and got back to the house in six minutes. That's pretty good. That's real good. But oh. yeah, the, the fast food situation's pretty good. We got we have a Burger King. That's fine. No Chipotle, no Chick Fil A. So that's a huge miss by the Princeton okay. City Council right now. But uh, for the most part, franchisee. Yeah. Uh, future franchise, dude. I said if I had like five million dollars, I'd open both of those and just own Princeton right now. But <laughs> nonetheless, I don't. The, I don't know how the Chipotle would do up there. I don't think Chipotle would do. Well, it was funny because after we went to Target, you know, Jamie's been saying the whole, or excuse me, to Walmart. Jamie's been saying the whole time we need a Target. And then after we went to Walmart, she's like, eh, you know, maybe that's why they don't have a Target. Out here. It might not do too well with uh, the folks yeah. we saw. The one thing that sucks though. Been internetless since Friday. Won't oh, have it till Monday. We had the guy come out. Apparently, he couldn't make it work. Uh, he needed something that he needed. He needed something from our builder. I called the builder and said, told him what he needed, and he started laughing. He said he must be a new internet guy because most of them have that in their truck. But mm. I can bring something by. So I have been following games yesterday and today just on my phone on the Yahoo app. Um, so I've watched zero games. Tough. Yeah. So it's been Twitter highlights, Instagram highlights, you know, clips on Bleacher Report. And following it on the Yahoo Scores mm. app. That's a tough one. It's been brutal. That's Especially on a day like this when we have the Sports Equinox, all four majors. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, I have to see how my Sports Equinox picks are doing, by the way. There you go. Uh, probably not very good, but <laughs> we'll, we will uh, see how that is. All right. Like your other picks. Yeah, huh? I said if they're like anything like your well, other picks. Well, college, I'm back to 500 this week. The go. NFL, I told you, I'm not, I'm not good on the NFL this year. I don't know <laughs> what it is. But uh, uh, college, I'm back and I'm fine there. Um, all right, so we'll dive right into it. As I said, Dalton's coming up here in about five to ten minutes to talk about the Cowboys. We're going to talk Mass college football as well. But first, we're going to start off with the World Series, and I, I think we both agreed that the series was going to be uh, playing when we talked about this on Thursday show, which you uh, can go listen. Only way you can listen is you subscribe on uh, Apple Podcast and wherever else you may listen to your podcast at. Um, at the short thing, we both agreed that it was going to be, there was going to be a baseball game. Tonight, mm-hmm. I guess I thought the Nats might have squeaked one away, one out of there. Um, but I'm not really surprised Astros bats came alive. Then the then the problem is the Nationals bats have just gone ice, uh, ice cold. The runners in scoring position, and now the just brutal news that Scherzer's has uh, so bad back spasms that he's not going to be able to play. He's not pitching tonight, uh, and they don't know if he's going to be able to pitch in Game Seven if it even makes it to Game Seven. So we'll uh, we'll have to see what uh, what happens, but I feel like sadly the Astros are going to win this now, even though I don't really want them to win. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, Scherzer came out this morning or earlier this afternoon and said that it's so bad he couldn't even get himself dressed. Like he had uh, he had his wife help him get dressed. I mean, you got to know a guy like that in a spot like this. He's really got to be hurting to be able not to go. Um, but agreed, you know, especially all the things that have kind of unfolded. With uh, the Astros and, and Tobman and all that stuff, which they've they put out what five statements now? I think uh, they had a. Do you count the one today? I counted the one today, so I think that's five. So either way, even if they win the World Series, what about uh, Lano speaking to the media? Do yeah, you count some of that stuff. Yeah, I counted well, it's that. six. Then with that. Oh, okay, it's six. Okay, yeah. Uh, so we said they might have more statements than World Series well, game wins, and so they, <laughs> which is bad. Now they might have double that depending on how the series. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they can. Plays out. Uh, and. Yeah, it's just the Nats need to get some clutch hitting. They didn't have any. Yeah. Um, I am interested to see how Cole pitches tonight, though, because his tank was leaking. Leaking. Him and Verlander have been leaking. So, yeah. like, I don't want to say, oh, they're guaranteed victories. You would assume they're going to win. Right. Especially with who Joe the, Ross. Yeah. Um, just, I feel like Dave Martinez, he doesn't want to go deep in the bullpen, but 
you got to kind of pinch it for Anibal Sanchez in the fourth inning when there's a runner on second or a runner on third. You got to play, you got to play for a run there to tie it up. And just think he's been like a move off here and there. Like the Bregman Grand Slam, I I turned the game off when they were up four to one. I think it was. I didn't even think the pitch that Rodney threw was awful. Like that was a solid pitch. It was down and in. He just he he got lucky and finally barreled one up. Yeah, like you just said it. Finally, finally found the baseball that uh, finally found the barrel uh, on that bat because he'd been terrible so far. Uh, even going back to last year's against the the Yankees, and um, it's funny. There's, I mean, you know, and I mean, they're up four one at that point. The Astros were, and Fernando Rodney's in. So you kind of think, all right, the Nationals are waving the white flag on this one. I've, you know, they're Fernando Rodney's not being good. They only put him in when they're up big or down big. And then that was just kind of icing on the cake. I think, uh, like you said, David Martinez doesn't want to go super deep in the bullpen. So if <clears throat> he can, if he's like, all right, we're we're down three right now. You know, it's not looking great. Let's just put Rodney in and see what we can do. Maybe we can, you know, fall into something here. Um, but that uh, obviously that grand slam put it away. I just I, the Nationals. I think the Nationals really need to get Game Five to I agree. to have any hope. Um, you know, and and even saying that, you know, that might be obvious. Like, no, yeah, no kidding. They need to win, uh, you know, to go up three two because then they just only have to win one more. But even so, like, even if the Nationals do win Game Five, I wouldn't count the Astros out of it. I would, I would be, no, I wouldn't, you know, fully confident that they could go home and win back to back games. But if the Nationals drop this one, I don't feel, I don't, you know, feel as confident as I would them being down three two is, you know, in the opposite situation. And question marks if Scherzer is going to have to start. Like if he's not going to start, yeah, because you could counter with, oh, okay, so Scherzer's going to pitch Game Seven. I have Scherzer ready for Game Seven if I really need him. So you're like, okay, that's like that's probably he's going to be better than Grinky because Grinky hasn't he'd made the right pitches. Um, I mean, he wasn't great in Game One. He's not the Scherzer we we were seeing in the no, but the, I also think he was a little like amped up. I think if right. he got another he got another World Series start, he would be better. Yeah, no, you're, you're I mean, yeah, no, no doubt. Um, you know, I I, I would even I kind of would have. Gone Strasburg on short rest. I don't know how short rest would it have been if Strasburg pitched. I don't think it would have been short rest if Stra- yeah, Strasburg. It would have been short rest. Like four days then? Uh, three. Three days? Yeah. You sure? About been, yeah, because he pitched on Wednesday, you know, been Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I might, I might have even felt more confident going Strasburg on short short rest than, than uh, throwing Joe Ross out there. Because, like I said, this is a must win game. And having you know one of your top two guns out there going up against Garrett Cole, I think that puts the Nationals in a much better position. I don't know how often Strasburg is pitched on short rest or how well he's done on short rest. I'd have to look that up. I don't have that in front of me right now. But just like I said, this is a must-win game for the Nationals, big time, uh, more so than the Astros. So I would I would feel more confident. But at the same time, I can see why it's like, all right, maybe if we give this one up, then we have Strasburg Scherzer going game six, game seven. That puts us in a better spot. Well, I think the whole. I think it's no matter what in this game, you're always going to have game six. Right. So, like, yeah, no doubt. It's, 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 all right, we lose tonight. Strasburg can outduel Verlander. We already know we could beat Verlander, score as many runs in the first inning as we can possible because he's bad in the first inning and just hope that he can pitch like eight innings or get us to the seven. So then it's Hudson and Doolittle. And then in game seven, I assume Scherzer will say he's able to, he'll throw on no day's rest, like all hands on deck. We'll just, do what we can and do that. So, yeah. and you know me, I'm not a big guy throwing them on, on three days rest. I don't think it's taking guys, professional athletes out of a rhythm is I think the worst thing you could possibly do. And I think three days rest does that. Yeah. Unless see, it's a bullpen situation. Yeah. But I see, I think, I think for, I mean, for the longest time we've seen pitchers in the postseason do this. 
you know. So I for sure. I've, I feel like once it gets to postseason baseball time, especially when it gets to league championship series and definitely the World Series, guys are more so mentally prepared and probably physically prepared to, to have to pitch on three days rest or come out of the bullpen as a starter and then, you know, maybe turn around and pitch on short days rest after that, kind of like what Corbin did. Yeah, yeah, I just, I would just, I want him at full, at full rest. I don't, that's just, I understand what you're saying. I would just rather feel more comfortable with him on, because mm. then you burn him now and you're like game six, we were rolling out in game six, Joe Ross, or like, right. that, I guess. No doubt, that, no, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. All right, we'll take a break here on the Short Thing Talk Radio 1190. Coming up next is going to be Dalton Miller. We had him on during draft uh, draft season to talk about the drafts. We'll talk about how the Cowboys draft class is doing so far. Uh, spoiler, not great. And uh, what the Cowboys need to do as uh, you could say they kind of lost a bye week since the Eagles won, but they still sit uh, in first place as they look forward to play the Giants next week. So all Cowboys coming in next with Dalton Miller. That's up here on the Short Thing on Talk Radio 1190. All right, back here, short thing, talk radio eleven ninety. The computer still uh, is not fixed. I ax this is a this is quite the scene. I accidentally hung up on uh, <laughs> on on Dalton, so he's gonna call back. Uh, uh, he's calling back right now. Uh, I was hoping the music was gonna be working again this week, but it is not. So just things are going awry right here uh, in the studio. But he should be on the phone. Uh, line right here. So, but this is all on. Uh, what do we do? The Deshaun Watson. Yep, that one's on me. The, the chest pad. That one's on me. That's on me. Well, the music. I don't. Can you say the music's on me? This is the second week in a row. It's not working. I can't say that it's a, a totally on you, but I can also say that you know you can't dodge all the blame because over the last year and a half or almost two years that we've been doing the show, we have had multiple. Uh, I guess uh, technical difficulties on that side with the music and with you know the Twitter audio and things like that. But so people, but people change the settings in here. Yeah. And I don't have enough time to change the settings. But guess what? Everything's all ready to go. You adapt, you overcome, and you succeed. Yes. And that was the seamless transition because now we have Dalton uh, on the air. D- Dalton, sorry for uh, hitting the uh, giving you the tone dial a couple times there. Thanks for calling back. The second time was yeah. both times were on accident. But you did it twice. Yes, I Jesus. Yes. The second one was I accidentally hit the wrong. But Dalton, thank, thanks for uh, joining us right now. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. All right. So when we had you on during the draft, it seemed like you were leaning. You wanted the Cowboys, if I can recall, to take a safety instead of like a defensive lineman when they took Tristan Hill. And they took Tristan Hill, and Tristan Hill's not playing at all. They traded for Michael Bennett this week. And safety is definitely needing some help right now for the Cowboys. Just all in all, how would you rate the Cowboys draft class so far? I feel like the only one that's really made any substantial like like gains or any showed themselves on the field is going to be uh, Tony Pollard. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we've seen so far this year. Obviously, Connor McGovern was on IR to start the year with that pec injury that he had, or I believe that there, there'd be times where we would see him on the field. I think they would at least try to do some unbalanced stuff, and then he would obviously help uh, in situations where if you had to slide Connor Williams out to left tackle or if you had to slide Zach Martin out to right tackle, if they would have gotten into uh, that pinch when both of their tackles were injured. But, yeah, Tristan Hill, he was always going to be a project pick. I wasn't happy with the player that the Cowboys got there. I felt like this is a team that is in a win-now mode, and I felt like he was a, a, at least a year or a multi-year project. He's somebody who 
got into it a little bit with the coaches down there at UCF and had some of the raw abilities that you want to see in you know that gap penetrating three technique that Rod Marinelli likes so much, but he just wasn't advanced enough with his hand placement, with with the way that he played and his gap discipline to get on the field, and that's what we're seeing right now. And it wouldn't be an issue if there weren't four or five safeties that were taken after the Cowboys pick that are already making differences in the NFL right now. Yeah, uh, that's Juan Thornhill's one of them. Uh, a couple others, you probably know the names. Uh, yeah, you have Juan Thornhill, Nasir Adderley, uh, Gardner Johnson is playing a little bit as well. I mean, there's there's a couple different guys in, in that situation, and the the big one, Taylor Rapp as well uh, in L.A. But yeah. the the big one, the one that they really missed not taking is Juan Thornhill. So what do you so like? When they were doing the draft, that we were talking up leading up to the draft, that there weren't they weren't going to draft any starters for say like their their you would say their twenty two guys that, that that were starting every week were pretty much all settled. It was just for depth purposes. So they were just looking for depth and hey, maybe a guy uh, comes in and can be a starter in a couple of years. But they were looking for depth, right? You know, they were kind of looking for depth, but I do believe that at the, the three-technique position, and, and at that one, you still do have Malik Collins, who they believe in, believe very highly in. So it, it wasn't like somebody was going to go take, go and take his job right away. And there was a, an opportunity with Thornhill, with Rapp, with those types of players that you would get a, an upgrade immediately over Jeff Heath at safety. Now, would they have followed through and actually started those players over Jeff Heath? I don't think so, because I think that they like Jeff Heath. It, it, they get into these modes where they fall in love with the player, with the person, and kind of make excuses for their shortcomings for their on-field production. And that's what we've seen over the years with Jeff Heath. And they haven't, they haven't coveted that strong safety position the way that they should because it, in the way that analytics are going right now, there's an everlasting argument between pass rush and the secondary and coverage. And when you have somebody who can come up and play the run tight and create turnovers like Juan Thornhill can, you have to look at those players and add that value that they have in making turnovers because offenses in this league are going to move the football. You cannot stop them consistently. The one way that you can actually make a difference is creating turnovers, which is something that up until this past game we hadn't seen from them this year or in the past four years before that. Hey, <clears throat> excuse me. Hey, Dalton Ryan Silva here. Um, yeah, you're right about the, about the turnovers. Um, you know, we we've been talking about how until last game against the Eagles, the the Cowboys hadn't weren't able to start a drive in opponent territory up to that point because they weren't able to turn generate any turnovers. You know, on the uh, wrong side of the of the fifty. Now, guys that have kind of been have been big at that defensive line. You know, obviously Robert Quinn, like you said, Malik Collins, yeah. uh, um, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, finally coming on. Now, tell tell me those guys. How I mean, can can they do something different to help that secondary? I mean, like you said, Robert Quinn's been been on fire. Dexter Lawrence, or excuse me, Demarcus Lawrence finally gets on the stat sheet last week. Malik Collins been playing really well. Hey, can can they do anything to help that secondary? Because that secondary does need a lot of help right now. It's something that both Warren and I harp on uh, uh, quite a bit on this show. 
Yeah, you know, they can. And I think that the addition of Michael Bennett is really going to help that situation specifically because he's somebody who can come in the inside and take away some of that double-team pressure that we've seen. Uh, Both uh, DeMarcus Lawrence and Robert Quinn are in the top 10 of double-team rate in the NFL, and we've seen that in the film quite a bit as well, where those two are are literally being stood up double-teamed, and our our two defensive linemen are stuck at the line of scrimmage, not winning their one-on-ones. And you need to do that in Rod Marinelli's scheme. That's the best thing that we are going to get from Michael Bennett, is that ability to slide inside, play that Tyrone Crawford role at a better rate, because as much as I enjoy Tyrone Crawford and think that he is a good player, he is not on the level that Michael Bennett is. The, the reason why Michael Bennett didn't have success in New England this year is because they switched from a 4-3 to a 3-4, and the way that he plays doesn't mesh with the way that they wanted to run their scheme there. They were using more linebackers. They were trying to use him in at five tech a little bit, and they, they weren't really using him to his strengths, so he kind of saw the bench a little bit more. That's something that he's going to be motivated coming in, and I think that that's going to help the uh, the defensive line get a little bit more pressure consistently and help the secondary out as well when they're able to play forward. Now, you still have issues with Chidobe Awuzie not being able to get his head around. That's not going to change. But what can happen is in zone coverages, if they're able to get pressure quickly, they will be able to jump passes and get those easier turnovers. Another thing I think has really been hindering the uh, the Cowboys' defense quite a bit is the play of Leighton Vanderish. I mean, this guy absolutely jumped out of uh, Boise State last year, was a big centerpiece for the Cowboys. Obviously, now he's got the injury issue with the neck. Um, but up to that point, he really had been playing very well, and I think it, it really hurt uh, the Cowboys' defense. Jalen Smith's still playing pretty well. Uh, uh, Sean Lee's still around the ball as you know as much as he's been. Uh, but what's what's kind of been the issue with Leighton Vanderish that you've seen? Why has he been so ineffective for the Cowboys' defense up to this point yeah so early in the season it was both of the linebackers were having issues the thing that we have to remember with Leighton Van Der Esch playing the will is he he's on the opposite side he's on the weak side of the ball and he works best when he is able to flow to the football Mm -hmm. and when things get clogged up even at six foot five 260 pounds and being that huge guy that he is he's not that physical downhill player that a guy like Jalen Smith is and now we saw issues with Jalen Smith with changing directions, and that and that's always going to be the case. He's always going to have to be in a straight line to make plays. But with Leighton Vander Esch getting clogged up, and, and that happens when your defensive line is not staying gap discipline, when guys are, are going and freestyling, they allow those uh, linemen, those interior guys, to get to the second level and get to Leighton Vander Esch. When he is able to flow to the football, and we saw it a little bit last week before he got hurt, when he's able to get to the edges and just play sideline to sideline, he is one of the best linebackers in the game. But he's not to a point mentally like Sean Lee where he can shoot gaps and out, outdo, outthink the offensive linemen and get to their spot before they're able to. That's why Sean Lee has been so good throughout his career. It's not because he's physically more physically gifted than these guys. It's because he's smarter. And I think that playing with Sean Lee and then Sean Lee probably going into a coaching role after he retires, I think that Leighton Vanderesh is going to be able to learn from that and get to not the same level, but a better level because he is better physically.
All right, so the offense, quickly before we uh, wrap up with you, Dalton Miller, here with us on uh, the Short Thing Talk Radio 1190. I've been talking a lot when we've done the show about the expected completion percentage to completion percentage. I don't know if you're into that on NFL Next Gen Stats, but Dak right now, you could see he's uh, second. He's right behind Kirk Cousins at 8.1. He's expected to complete 62% of his passes. He's uh, completing 70.6% of his passes. One, I want to ask, do you think that's sustainable at that high rate? Because it is dropped since the first three games of the season. And what do you think the offense needs to do, or what do, you, what do you think they need to do to sustain the consistency that they had from the first three weeks of the season, even against the Eagles, rather than the first half of the Dolphins game and then the three-game losing streak? Yeah, so what I think that they have to do is stick to running a high volume of play action passes specifically on first downs, because even when they've won games this year, they are still running the ball way too often on first down. And you asked me about the the CPOE and everything. And I actually wrote a 4,000 word piece on my website, bluechipscouting.com talking about advanced analytics in the NFL and specifically how it showed Dak Prescott and how he's had and is top five in most of the advanced metrics that you can look at in the NFL. And that's going through sites like Football Outsiders, uh, NFL Next Gen stuff, Player Profiler, and then Pro Football References advanced metrics as well. Uh, When you look at his DVOA second, so he's played phenomenally. You're also having both of your wide receivers in the top 20 in most of those advanced metrics as well, with Amari Cooper being in the top five. So that, that, that part of the, the game is good. If you start throwing the ball a little bit more on first down and start running play action at, a, at the rate you were in the first three weeks, you're going to see things open up. Now, will the CPOE hold up? It might drop a little bit, but that's because you're going to be facing defenses like the New England Patriots. You're going to get the L.A. Rams, Chicago Bears later in the season, and you're going to have to – Dak is going to have to play – like he was in those first three weeks and then against Green Bay because really against Green Bay, other than the one interception that he did throw, there was obviously the the tip pass that was intercepted. But other than the one pass to, to Cobb that was intercepted, I really thought that that was his best game in the season. And some of the numbers that you look at back that up, he's played at an outstanding level. If you are able to move your offense pre-snap, get that good looks, use motion and misdirection and use Tony Pollard in this offense more in two back sets with Ezekiel Elliott on the field as well. You're really going to see that misdirection and the triple option read option stuff. And then getting those guys spread out wide on linebackers. And even if you go to like 22 personnel, get as many linebackers on the field as you can and then spread the field out and use guys like Blake Jarwin guys like Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott up against linebackers in the pass game attack because linebacker play in the NFL is atrocious overall. I mean, there just aren't that many good linebackers and linebacker cores in the NFL. So if you're able to take advantage of that, do it. All right, Dalton, thanks a lot for joining us on the show. Dalton Dalton Miller, as you can uh, you can read him at bluechipscouting.com. A lot of good stuff there. Also, he's on the Talk in the Star podcast. Dalton, thanks for taking the time out on the Sunday night. I know you were busy earlier. Really appreciate this, and we'll talk to you uh, towards the latter half of the season. Awesome. Can't wait.
No problem. All right, that is Dalton Miller. Good stuff, as always. So coming up next year, Short Thing Talk Radio, 1190, as Tiger Woods has just won the Zozo Championship. Tied Sam Snead all-time PGA Tour wins. We will discuss. We'll wait for the fourth segment to talk about that, along with uh, the Mavericks there. We will touch on college football coming up next year, Short Thing Talk Radio. Back here, Short Thing Talk Radio, 1190. I got the music playing through the computer. Uh, I could hear it through the computer, but I guess it's not getting its way to... The uh oh, I have the wrong one. That's it. There it they is. flipped it on me. Texas Tech football flipped it on me. It's usually it's on the left. It's on the right. Okay. They're playing funny business on me over here. They're playing funny business on me. All right, so it's working. Uh, so college football. We'll get to the Mavericks and a little Tiger to finish off as he now uh, won his 82nd uh, event. I will say. Little teaser, what I think. He can only winch. Uh, uh, he can't win a full field event. So we'll get into that because this is not a full field. That's fair. Uh, so we'll talk some Tiger coming up and some Mavericks as they play the Pistons. They are currently winning. I think they're up eight as they are in the third quarter. Uh, but right now, college football. There were only two really good games I thought this weekend, at least in my eyes, and that was uh, Ohio State-Wisconsin. That lost some of the luster after Wisconsin lost to Illinois. Ohio State took care of business pretty easily. I will say, when I know you weren't you weren't able to watch, you had the um, you, no internet. A whole lot of gamecasts for me. A lot of gamecasts. <laughs> but when they blocked the punt, there was a block punt. Wisconsin had in the third quarter. Uh-huh. They were up ten nothing. Then they scored a touchdown, and it was ten to seven. It had though. Here we go again. Ohio State in the rain isn't going to win a big game. And it, it it I thought Ohio. I'm not. It had, it felt like a loss was coming. It felt maybe if Urban was coaching, we would, it was going to be a loss. But they rattled off. Uh, I think they well, they obviously rattled off twenty eight in a row after that. But then uh, right after the touchdown by Jack Cohn through, they answered. They just kept scoring touchdowns. So Ohio State, one of the two best teams in the country. Them and LSU, I think, are the two best teams in the country. LSU's one, Ohio State's three. Then the other game, Michigan Notre Dame. It was like the marquee game going into the weekend. And it stunk. And Michigan blew them out. Yeah. There was a lot of monsoon football being played this weekend. Yeah. A lot of rain football being played. This looks like the Michigan team people that were expecting at the beginning of the year. So maybe they're going to pose a challenge to Ohio State. Notre Dame, I wonder if this... Do you really believe that? Huh? Do you really believe that? Uh, No, because it's Michigan. But (laughs) they are playing better. They they showed a lot. They could have laid over against Penn State last week. Right. And they fought back. And they looked pretty good last night. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but... This is what they thought Michigan was going to play like this year. Um, so, hey, it was good for Ohio State and the rest of the Big Ten that they uh, won to keep them uh, in the hunt So uh, for the uh, division title and maybe get to Indianapolis. And then uh, the upset, three weeks in a row, we've had a top six team lose, all in the noon slot, all 20-plus, uh, all 20-point underdogs or more, or Oklahoma. Is this is uh, this week's victim? As I'm going to say this, the final score did not indicate how close the game was. No, not by any it, means. I well, was, I will. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Continue. Continue your thought. I was saying they got mauled for three quarters, and Kansas State got a little tight, and they couldn't tackle C.D. Lamb when he's weaving in and out of all the defense. But they were getting Iowa. They were getting Purdue. They were getting beat like a drum against Kansas State. 
And I, I don't I like I, I see forty eight to seven, and I, I, I think that was a two touchdown, seventeen point game. How how bad Kansas State just dominated them the whole game. Yeah, you know I will say, to you are right to a certain level. That game was obviously very much so a blowout. Um, up, you know for for the most part of that game. But I mean, Oklahoma still did their part in not giving up and not no, just oh, like for sure, for sure. rolling over. So I mean, they still put up a fight towards the end. It was kind of a day late, dollar short type deal. I mean, almost got that uh, that ridiculous onside. I, I yeah. still, I'm still questioning whether that guy touched it illegally or not. I mean, it was, I think it was millimeters. It was. I don't think he got it to ten yards though. Um, it was like nine and a half yards. It, it was like nine and like. 17 18 yeah it was it, it was, was super close it was um but you know it that's it's wild um the curse of the the boomer schooner yeah i know do you see the last time it tipped it so, was 2004 right 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 but so in 1993 tipped uh at an oklahoma home game obviously the next week they went on the road to manhattan lost as like a top five team got upset by by kansas state then as well so that was a big thing buzzing on twitter um, I thought that was kind of interesting, but, uh, yeah, I mean, tough. I mean, that's, that's, that'll wrap it up for the big 12 in the playoff. Um, I think unless something catastrophic, I don't think happened. so. I, what? I feel like there's still somehow a way we're, we're seeing carnage strike. Yeah. I, at I, a lot of places. I think that is all it's, it's done for big 12. Yeah, well, their best chances rely on Baylor. Yeah. Um, Seriously, they do. Hey, shout out Matt Rule. But you don't think that the love affair of J- Jalen Hurts that everybody's having the whole year and Oklahoma that say they don't, uh, say they come back, they win outright, they they win the Big 12, and say uh, like Clemson loses in the ACC title game, uh, Georgia has two losses, so they're out of it. LSU loses to Alabama like they lose convincingly to Alabama's, and they don't even make the SEC championship game. And Ohio State is like the only undefeated, and then it's a bunch of like LSU at one loss. Oklahoma wins a Big 12 at one loss. Georgia's at two losses. They're out of it. Clemson's at one loss. Um, I mean, I still think there's a path for Oklahoma. It's not a great path. No, it's it's the yellow brick road. I mean, you got to go through some wild forests. You got to go see the Scarecrow, the Tin Man. It's I'll, I'll call it right now. It, the Big Twelve is not getting in the Big Twelve. Oh, I'm, 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 and and they're done. They're done. I, I don't, I don't see how they because now that Texas loses to TCU, that win for Oklahoma doesn't look as good. They almost lost to Kansas, so that win doesn't look as good. I mean, some of the wins that you know OU could have um, put their hat on. They they don't look as good now. Looking looking back, you know what I mean? Because some of those teams have lost, so. It's just I, I think it's I think it's curtains for the for the Big I mean, Twelve. They only fell the, they only fell the tenth. They only fell the ten. I know that's just an AP. Right. That doesn't seem like they they fell far enough. You lose on the I guess on the road you're twenty four point favorites. You're up seventeen to seven after the first quarter and you fall five spots. That doesn't. You, you should be down in the fifteens in the fourteens. I, I think I think the late comeback probably helped them there a little. I, bit. It did. It did. But I, I still don't. I'm I'm not I think it's like a long shot but I'm still not I'm not ready to count them out. I'm not counting out Oklahoma from making the playoff. I just college football's crazy. So, you got if you look at the rankings right now, the rankings come out not this Tuesday but next Tuesday. LSU and Alabama, one of them is losing. Right. At least one and then if the other team wins out, the other team is not making it to the SEC Championship game. So, you have to fight of of that. 
You have Ohio State. Ohio State doesn't look like they're going to lose, but they could lose. Clemson is coming up. They they are most likely to go undefeated, I would feel like, out of that bunch. Oh, yeah, for sure. Penn State, they have to face Ohio State. Florida has to face Georgia, who's eight. Oregon and Utah, they'll meet in the Pac-12 championship game, and then you got Oklahoma. And if Oklahoma wins out, I still – I. It's a lot. It's they're definitely on the outside looking in, but you know how the sport is. If Baylor, okay, so obviously, like you, we just said, LSU Alabama is not going to win the, the SEC champ, or one of them is not going to win the SEC championship, make it to the game. Um, so if something crazy happens, Baylor wins out. Baylor wins the Big Twelve championship. Are they in the playoff? I think it depends who's. I don't think so. Their remaining games are TCU, OU, Texas, and Kansas. Yeah, I don't think they're in the playoff. It also depends who, who, uh, and then probably it would depend who they face in the Big Twelve Championship. But I don't, I don't think so. It also depends who loses ahead of them, though. Right. So yeah, I mean, and like who's undefeated? Well, obviously Florida and Georgia. One of them is going to lose once again, so that'll put them at two losses. We assume Penn State's probably going to lose to Ohio State in the um, Big Ten Championship. No, they play uh, second. They play week before Thanksgiving. Oh, they play. Oh, okay. yeah, so they're, they're, they're in the. Are they in the Legends or the? No, it's the East. Oh, okay, they changed it. They back. changed it. <laughs> um, East and West. Utah, Oregon. One of them is going to lose again. Yeah. So I mean, Auburn's already at two losses right now. So I mean, I think it's more likely that if if someone would get in the Big Twelve Championship, it'd be Baylor than OU. Granted, if if OU and Baylor went both went out, which they, they can't, can't because they play each other, yeah. right? So. You know, well, going but, into the, but no saying if Baylor wins out, they have a better chance of getting in the playoff than if OU wins out. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay, that's that clears it up. That's what, I, uh, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, because then the Baylor would be undefeated, and you right. would, it'd be hard to a conference champion for undefeated. It'd be hard to hard to take them out. But before we wrap this up, how did you see the end of the Tech Kansas game? I did. I was watching that live. Oh, what a boneheaded move! That's wild. Well, what a boneheaded move. So they block a field. Tech blocks a field goal. Guy starts returning it, and then he tries to pitch it, and it gets knocked out of his hands, and the long snap for Kansas recovers it, and then next play, there's one second left on the clock. Kansas goes and kicks a field goal. What a boneheaded uh, play. But uh, next week, the college slate, did you take a look at it? Not yet. I was I was trying to take a peek at it. you Because I was looking at it because you said, you know, three weeks in a row we've had a top six team fall in that noon. There will be – well, there won't be one at noon. There will be uh, – 2.30. Yeah, just Florida, because Georgia. they play each other. Right. But this slate is terrible. The ABC primetime game is SMU-Memphis. Yeah, as well as it should be. Memphis, get them in the playoff. But I'm saying, well, the, it's, that's the thing on how bad the slate is, that that's the ABC game. Yeah. It's because every team this week gets a – every uh, there's five. There's an extra Saturday in, uh, I think it is October. There are five Saturdays this month, I think. So each team gets two bye weeks this year. Uh, so the the calendar messed everything up, so not good. But next week's not a lot of good games. But uh, yeah, Oklahoma going down was the big story. Was there anything else to call your eye this week? Um, probably, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. I mean, like I said, uh, it's 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 different watching the games through GameCast and Twitter. Yeah. like it's 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 a wild wild ride. ride. It is it is a very wild ride. Um, Minnesota, I think, is actually pretty good. The LSU game was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. LSU Auburn. Yeah. Um, obviously Texas dropping one to TCU just absolutely. You uh, walked into the rat, into the cheese. You know, and I and I knew it, but I took them first, first half, half and I got yes. that first half. So uh, you know, there's that. Um, yeah, I mean, nothing really, really jumped out too much uh, 
from uh, from this week. Kind of how I think, kind of how most people expected to go, other than the OU thing. All right, so that'll do it for college football. We'll come back, talk some Mavs and some Tiger Woods. So that's coming up. Final segment, your thing here, at Talk Radio, eleven ninety. Morning, Ryan here, Short Thing, final segment. Check us out, Apple Podcasts, The Short Thing. We do a Thursday pick show every week, so check that out. That's The Short Thing, S-C-H-O-R. All right, Ryan, you wanted to talk about it. What is it? Come A&M, two Mississippi schools. Yeah, Damn. finally. They finally did. So looking, so just going back, I said that, uh, that A&M would win eight games this year. Looking at their schedule, they got UTSA and South Carolina, and then they follow, finish up with Georgia LSU. On the road. Right, so... They're staring eight and four dead in the eyes. No, they're five and three right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah, they have twelve games and they're five and three right now. So oh, they, crap. They I, UTA, yeah, my South Carolina. Yeah, my, my math is wrong. Dang it. I thought <laughs> I thought I was on to something. But either way, I mean they're looking at all five of their losses being to teams eight or better. Yeah, but wouldn't you say that's typical Aggie? They can't beat a team they're not supposed to beat. Oh, 100%. Like, yeah. that's that's the – when I said that is uh, you're going to need to beat a team you're not supposed to beat. Right, and they haven't, and done, they that haven't so, done that yeah. yet. And but, they um, – who's not saying they can't beat Georgia or LSU. It's just No, they can, tall, absolutely cannot beat LSU. Tall, Georgia I feel a little bit better about because of the South Carolina thing. Tall task. And they didn't look great against Kentucky in the uh, that, that monsoon game last week. But uh, my math was off. <laughs> but <laughs> – they got both Mississippi. It was the first time since the Johnny era they did that. Uh, yeah, which is, I, and I told you they would. Yeah, well, I think the Ole Miss one was closer than it than it should have been. Than it should have been. And Mississippi State, I'll, shout out for having an offensive-minded head coach that has no offensive. Uh, they, they need to cut the cord with more. They need to cut the cut the cord there and move they on. They should bring the guy in from Florida. He's pretty good. Yeah, Dan Mullen, really good. <laughs> Could really use him. All right, Mavericks two and zero first time since two thousand four. They're up 95-94 on the Blazers right now. Luka's got 26-9-8, so probably getting another triple-double on the season. And it was interesting in the first game of the season when they uh, had crunch time late. The last two minutes of the game, they took Porzingis off the floor. Yeah. And things were getting shaky there, and then Luka took over and won. So I wonder, crunch time, we're going to see more of that. Carlisle's going to have the uh, stones to do that again. So we'll see. But overall, quick implications or quick thoughts on the Mavs. Uh, obviously, Luka's great. I will say my one thing is I really like Justin Jackson. always liked him. I feel like he might be a better fit for the team than Harrison Barnes. Like, I just feel like, you know, Harrison Barnes, you can just kind of just caught dribbling the ball the whole time and taking extra shots. I feel like Jackson just knows his role. Not saying Barnes didn't know his role, but for this team with Porzingis on, I really like the fit that Justin Jackson has. Well, I think Harrison Barnes was in a different situation, obviously, because he came here to be the guy. And he's, oh, for sure. He's, for not, sure. he's not that type of player. So yeah. I wouldn't disagree. We all know where I stand on Harrison Barnes. Yeah. Um, if you put Harrison Barnes on this team, this team is... Cooking. I don't, uh, I don't know. cooking. Because, I mean, he would be the third guy behind Porzingis and Doncic. I mean, that's right. That's For a sure. spot. That's right where you want him. Yeah, but at his salary, I don't think a third right, guy right. is Right, Yeah, it. no doubt. No doubt. I agree. They're just his, his game. His game. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Mavs have looked good. I said last week I think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, I stand by that. Um, they very well could face the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference Finals. The way the Suns are cooking right now, just beat the best team, quote-unquote, in basketball. Uh, but in all seriousness, no, yeah, I mean, I think this is finally the roster that, um, uh, that, uh, why is his name, uh, the head coach you just mentioned, Carlisle. Carlisle. Yeah, I don't know why that, that skipped, uh, 
I lost that there. But Rick Carlisle, this is the kind of the roster that he deserves because of such what a great job he's done with almost nothing in the past. Um, and how the last couple of years have been pretty bleak for the Mavericks. But I think he has, is going to be able to, to turn this team into a winner, and they finally got the talent level to advance into the playoffs and maybe even win uh, a series. Yeah, I still think they're missing a couple pieces to be – I mean, they're still going to be hovering around the eight seed. So yeah. there's still a couple guys. But they still need like a – Porzingis is the rim protector. If you look at it, like they don't have a bona fide like set. Well, Boban, if they, but he hasn't played yet tonight, um, and it doesn't seem like he's going to play a lot this year. It, it depends, but like they don't have like a rim protecting center that I think you still somewhat need for some just to alleviate some minutes. But Porzingis is that. I mean, he can block shots great. It's his, his shot blocking is very underrated. But like Jalen Brunson's, he has been a diamond to, in the rough to find in the second round last year. I just. They got a lot of really good, like, role players after Porzingis and uh, Luca, and they're just fine in their roles, and they all know their roles well, so that's, like, that's a positive. With the, like, each player knows their roles, so they can execute that to their highest uh, standard, and you would think they're going to play hard every night, so they're going to win some more games when other teams just take nights off. Well, yeah, now they have a great mixture of veterans and young guys. Uh, you know, obviously that Porzingis, they have a guy like Courtney Lee, who is is a bona fide veteran and, and pretty good in in the league. Tim Hardaway Jr. I I would consider him the kind of the same, not not to the same levels as uh, as Courtney Lee, but. Um, kind of in that same uh, group, I guess you could say. So I think they, they finally have that balance of guys that are coming in. Like you said, they know their role. They're going to play in that role because they're going to do what they can to win these games. And then you have your your younger guys who you're going to rely on. You know, obviously your Lucas. I mean, Porzingis is, is, a, is a veteran in this game now too. But Luca is kind of like he's an He's like an older young guy because yeah, he's, he's, a, he's been a professional for yeah. so long now, even though it's only his second year in the league. Um, you know, he, he's been playing professional basketball for a long time. You know, you have a guy like Dwight Powell who he's, he's always known his role. He's a guy that I love. And I think Carlisle loves him too. Cause he's just goes hard, full throttle, full time. So like you said, they have their perfect set of, of, um, of role players, guys that know their role. They're going to stick to their role. They're not going to try to do too much. And then you have your playmakers in in Luka and uh, Porzingis and a couple other guys that are going to be able to hit big shots. Seth Curry is going to be a nice uh, guy to have off the bench. So, you know, I, I think I think this is going to shape up for a pretty good season for the Mavs. Are you worried about your Warriors? My Warriors? Well, you said they are going to make the playoffs last week. Oh, yeah, I did say that. Um, no, they'll write the ship. I think I think they'll write the ship. Things are bleak early. They're not great. Not, not great. Love to see it. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't You'll happen to, to a better group You'll love guys. to see it. Um, all right. Last couple minutes. Uh, Tiger, they're playing in Japan. PGA Tour event. The Zozo Championship. He won. Uh, his 82nd PGA Tour. Win his career. Time Sam Snead. So he's expected to get this, but it was a longer. I think if you had 2019 the year, people would have definitely taken the under after that uh, U.S. Open win at Torrey Pines. They definitely take the under. But he's back. He had knee surgery. So his first tournament since he had knee surgery six weeks ago looked great. And what I was saying, teasing earlier, is he's not he. So he's won three times in the past year, but it's been a 30 field event at the Tour Championship, a 92 person field event at the Masters, and this is 78. He hasn't won a full 155 yet. I'm not saying he can't. It's just I feel like these short these smaller field events are going to be what he excels at. Well, yeah, because you're not going to have the talent level in. So, well, this one was stacked. Was it Rory Hideki? I mean, y'all got to worry about Rory. Uh, it was a Justin Thomas. It was a full full on the studs. 
Brooks didn't play because his knee's hurting, but it was a full-on it was a it was a big field. So then what do you think is is more important, winning a full 155 or winning a stacked, you know, smaller? Well, no, the 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 majors are what matter with him. So three of the four majors are are the stacked events. Right. Um so it's just is he going to be able to pick off another major other than a Masters? Like the Masters clearly is the best chance to win a major every year for him, but is he going to be able to win a uh I don't think he can win a US Open, but say a PGA or a British Open? Rope of Championship. Right. It's just interesting at this age, is, is he going to be, can he win a, how many more 155 is he going to win or is he going to keep picking off these World Golf Championships or smaller field events? You know how they, you know what they say, a win's a win, baby. Oh, I'm not, look, I love Tiger. I'm not trying to discredit right. him for a win. It's just interesting that so far his three wins since he's came back are smaller fields. Hey man, you're one of the, you know, you're best known for moving the goalposts a lot. So if you got to move the goalposts a little bit for Tiger to, you know, <laughs> okay, I'm not, I'm not even trying to move the goalposts. I'm no, no, no. I'm saying, a, I'm saying, you know, if if all he can win are these these smaller groups, hey, good for him. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but I, no, no, I agree. 155 is going to be tough for him to do, just because you get the one guy that comes out of nowhere, every right? Week, exactly. And then you're not the guy that's all good. of a sudden playing for his tour card. Yes, you know that yes. has a weekend of his life. Yes. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for the short thing, Tucker. 11:90 this week. We'll be back right here, 7 8 p.m. next Sunday night, and you can check us out on Thursday's Apple Podcast at the Short Thing. So for Ryan Silva, I'm Warren Shore. We will talk to you next Sunday night.